This is the Sister Squad with Morta, Nona, and Dekuma. Do you want to start? Okay, my topic I brought this week is Anonymous, <clears throat> is a documentary on Netflix, no, on YouTube, called Anonymous Father's Day. And it essentially is about um, people who were conceived with um, the aid of sperm donation. There's another documentary called Exploitation, E G G S P L O I T A T I O N. Um, on R-E-S-E-C-T. <laughs> that too. But that one is about, about like what, how dangerous it is for, <laughs> how dangerous it is to donate your eggs. But this one is about sperm donation and it's not, and the effect that it has on the children. And so, um, so it starts out like with some headlines and it says, um, like one sperm donor, comma, 150 offspring. That was a uh, headline from the New York Times. Uh, donor conceived children seek missing um, identities. That's NPR, an article from NPR. Uh, Canadian court bans anonymous sperm and egg donation. That was Nature News. And um, the last one was, as the use of donor sperm increases, secrecy can be a health hazard. So... This one, they start out with this uh, lady, Stephanie. She's in her 30s. She's kind of dark-complected. I would have pegged her as maybe half, like, Hispanic. I don't know what she ends up being. But her mom is blonde, and her dad has dark hair, but she has kind of darker skin. And she said, like, when she was a little kid, there's a picture of her. She looks like she's about eight or nine. And her mom and dad in the picture, and then her little sister, who's blonde and blue-eyed. And she says, whenever I looked at that picture, I always thought of that, like, Sesame Street song, like... Three of these things. One of these things things is not like the other. She's like, and I thought for a while maybe that I was adopted. She's like, but I I heard stories about my mom's pregnancy, like, and I knew I couldn't be adopted. So she goes along. She kind of just felt that way that she just what didn't belong, but she got over it. She grew up, she got married, she had kids, and then her dad had Parkinson's disease. And she was looking up on that and, you know, he's losing his memory and he's got all of these health problems. And she says to her mom, she's 32 years old and says, do you think that, you know, like that, how genetic this is? Like, I, I wonder what my risk is. And her mom's like, oh, by the way, you're not your dad's kid. You're a product of sperm donation. Oh my goodness. How old was she? 32. Her little sister. dead. He's not dead. No, but that's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, your dad's dead. <laughs> yeah. What do you want for dinner? <laughs> so anyway, she's like, I held it together. My mom and my aunt were there. And she's like, oh, okay. And then the next day, her mom and aunt go home, and she was just a mess. So so this is what the documentary is uh, is investigating. She really just drops it on her like that? Just in yeah, the middle like, of a conversation? Like, yeah. You don't have to worry about getting Parkinson's disease because lucky you. He's not your dad. He's not your dad. Please pass the peas. Yeah. <laughs> they were in the oh car. I think they were driving somewhere. Why did they have peas in the car? <laughs> <laughs> That's the real question. Let's change the topic. The peas in the car. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, 
right. That's terrible. So, the, okay, so then they start giving you a little history of sperm donation. So they've been donating, people have been using donated sperm for like 200 years. Um, 330 to 60,000 people in the U.S. are conceived this way. It's very and now, factual. Yeah, and now they internationally, so like if you want to find your dad, now some of these sperm donating places, like they ship it in, they're importing sperm from like, you know, Denmark, the Netherlands. To get some white babies? Probably. Big batch of goo? Probably. So then so who's shipping it in? Fertility clinics. Mm, okay. All right. I've got lots of questions, but keep going. Okay. So let me tell you a little bit, a uh, little bit more about, um, about the, the one guy. Let's see where his name is. So his name was Barry and he was conceived, I think in the late fifties or early sixties. And he's a writer and a filmmaker. He also, he says that like his relationship with his dad was kind of strained. It was like weird. And he and his siblings, like his dad was kind of maybe disconnected or whatever. So then his dad died when he was about 18 and that was horrible and they were grieving. And then that his mom dropped the bomb on them. He's 18 years old. Oh, by the way, now that dad's dead, dad really is dead this time. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't your daddy. Was he the only one or were no, they No, they're siblings. They were all. And so... He finds out you're gonna just die. This was in England because England was the first pe- the first place they did like the test tube baby. Mm-hmm. What's her head? What's her name? But, Brown. Yeah. What was her name? Elaine or something Brown. Anyway, but this he finally finds out. I don't know. At first he said it was no big deal. He was 18 and he was young. And then after a while, questions kind of come up. He finds out who his father was. Well, his father, sperm donor, was the husband. Of the fertility doctor. She was like groundbreaking. He had donated from the early 40s to the late 60s. He has 500 to 1,000 siblings. Oh my gosh. And his biological dad. <laughs> forearms are like... <laughs> Let me translate that. Biological father has a forearm like Papa. What that, is that was funny. <laughs> 28 years? 28 years. Yeah, 500. So you could unknowingly marry your sister. Your sister. So well, that's the question. Were they all in the same town? Like where? It's in England. How big is England? <coughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, what is that's that? like being in Kentucky now. <laughs> this is New Kentucky. Yeah. You know, yeah. oh my he gosh. has contacted, he and his brother started looking, or he and his sister. Their family tree has no branches. No. Right. Well, so he and his siblings, I think, are all, he alluded to it, but he didn't say. But I think that they all use the same donor because, and that was the clip. Like, can you go to the clip? So 55 million people in England. And a thousand of them are There's 325 million in the U.S., so 55 million people in England. And how many? 500? At least, um... The conservative estimate is 500, but up to 1,000 babies born. Is the clinic over 20 some years? In one area, though. Yes, it was the doctor. It was her <coughs> husband. She's like, oh, I got a new. And got people coming tomorrow. Hurry up and you know, get to business. It's scientifically proven that what is attractive to you is your own looks. That is yeah. why they keep having these siblings that are cousins, half siblings that meet and like are attracted and date someone. Because they look like them. They're like, yeah. ooh, what a hottie. Mm, looks just like me. <laughs> oh, it's because we're related. Okay. They, 
Okay, here is the clip you were talking about, Anonymous Father's Day. And this is Barry, the one from England with hundreds of siblings, potentially. People in the fertility industry, they like to sort of pretend that it's, it, at one hand, it's incredibly important. You know, they'll say like, um, well, you know, you pick the donor very carefully. And then when they come back for a second child, oh, would you like a child from the same donor so that your siblings will be full siblings? Because the blood bond is so important. And the next one, they say, forget about it. It's just like a blood donation. It doesn't mean anything. You know, how many people, if they're told that they're sitting in an office uh, across from somebody or a factory floor for the last 10 years, who they've known for years, is actually their brother, would say, oh, yeah, so what? For most people, it's meaningful information. In a pretend it isn't, goes against human culture, goes against... Yeah. Yeah, so that, so there's a group on the video, like on the documentary, there's about four people that they interview. Barry is the oldest because he was one of the, um, one of the first conceived that way that he knew of. And that's what this one woman, her name was, let's see, I'll tell you what her name was, but she did a study on this. Um, and she said, she's like, well, how do you even recruit people for this kind of study? Um, she's like, some of these people don't even know that that's the way that they were conceived. Her name was Elizabeth Markart. And her study was called My Daddy's Name is Donor. And she's like, half these people... So what they did in that study was they took adopted people and then they took um, people who were um, had egg donation or sperm, actually sperm donation, and then children who were naturally conceived and asked them about how they felt attached and how, like, you know, essentially their life. Like, did you feel abandoned as a child or whatnot? And I, I don't know if that's how they found all of these people and put them together. But the one girl was like, this isn't donation. That's not sperm donation. It's they're selling sperm. They didn't do it because out of the goodness of their heart, they needed money. And so I was, I was a product of like commerce. What would you do if you found out your dad wasn't your dad? Ooh, and there's three of us. It would be you because you don't look like <laughs> <us>. <laughs> I am always the odd man out. <laughs> I know. Well, I was just going to say that I know that I look like dad. And so I would. So do I. I would not believe it. But there's like on those. Because I was listening to this in the kind of mindset that we, um, the Kuma and I, have been watching that long lost family. And these people who know they were adopted or given up or whatever separated at some way from their parents or their child and they want to know who they're from and what long lost family it's the show on what's finding your roots finding your roots was is, the first and one then, well that's the one on amazon and the other one is long lost long family, lost family where they use ancestry and use um and do forensic genealogy to find out who you're related to and they can like if you don't have a birth certificate or whatever they can sometimes find your parent. They're just trying to track down your birth parent because you, for whatever reason, you don't know who it is. And so they've gone and found them. And then the one guy they found, of course, was a sperm donor. Yeah. And they said, you have kids. Would you like to meet this one? And it had never occurred to him after donating all through college. He did it when he was in college for extra money. And he was poor. And he did it every week through mm -hmm. college never occurred to him that he would have children out there. He goes, well, I kind of thought I might have them out there, but them being real people had not occurred to him. And they said, well, you have a 
son or a daughter? Do you remember? I think it was a son. I don't remember. Would you like a whole bunch? Would you like to meet him? And he's like, yeah, I guess. And when they met, was like extremely powerful. They both start crying. Here's a real person that he had donated <laughs> years and years before. And like that link of who you are is too strong. Too yeah. strong. Yeah. Well, and so Barry says at the end of the, at, and I told, uh, I've told this story before, at the end of the, the documentary, and he says, my brother tells this story. Like, what if you went, your wife was nine months pregnant, you go to India and she has the baby in the hospital, and the baby's healthy, mom is healthy, you're so happy, you're delighted. They take the baby away to the nursery to give it its first little bath, and then she's feeling better, she's all cleaned up and ready to have the baby and hold it, and she calls for the nurse and says, nurse, will you bring me my baby? And the nurse comes in and says, I will be right back with a baby for you. She goes, wait, 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 wait. No, no, I want my baby. Oh, no, we don't do that here. <laughs> we would, But you'll get a baby, and it'll be a healthy baby, and you will love that baby, and that baby will love you, and it doesn't really matter. <laughs> and of course, that's ridiculous because it does matter. And then his point was, why do you think it doesn't matter to me then who my father is? Like I have every right to know who my father is. And to just not be connected would be right. such a loss. Yeah. Well, and then other people will say, well, you should be grateful that, that that's the way that you were conceived. You should, you should get on board with it because that's the way that you were conceived. How can you, like, look down on that? And he's like, well, that's ridiculous. He's like, is that, are you going to suggest then that people were conceived by rape, should endorse rape? Like, I can be grateful for my life and not delighted about how that life happened. So now knowing that, would you recommend sperm donation to anyone you know um i wouldn't have recommended it before <laughs> so but i still would i still well, would. well anonymous not anonymous you know no, i would definitely and i guess people want to go you know what i guess that's what you're asking because the other way is what in vitro well no i mean because they were talking on one of my other things that i watched i forget what it's called this woman that says like some of these there's Craigslist ads where you can meet up people yeah. who want to co-parent and they'll meet up at a Starbucks and she comes with a turkey baster. He goes mm -hmm. into the boys' bathroom, comes out a few minutes later, hands her a cup, That's and she goes into the girls' bathroom. Low tech. She's like, this is a can low tech. I puke now. <laughs> yeah, she's like, this is a low tech. Sperm donation is very but there's low no, tech. There's no screening for... No. I really am going to need to see your resume, your <laughs> education, your, your work tree. history, your family tree... <laughs> But people who just want to be parents and there's just co, they're doing the co they're just like, they're going to co-parent. And so then the question is, is does the child have the right to be raised with its mother and its father is the question. Well, they aren't now. A lot of people, there's a lot of one night stands and flybys. That's true. And let's hope that some of those are not intentional. Yeah. But to intentionally sperming happens quite frequently. <laughs> but to intentionally manufacture, because that was the young girl's thing. She's like, this is ridiculous. I know that this is the way that I was conceived. She's like, but people are manufacturing children and it's just not right, was her opinion. You're, we're going to go into a different topic because then you go to the gay marriage. 
Well, that's exactly and what she said. Is she said, I know that my opinion's not popular, and I am sorry about that. Mm-hmm. She's like, but I am the child. Like, who should we be thinking in this? Like, I understand that people want to be parents, and I do feel bad for them, but to start manufacturing children to meet their need without thinking of the need of the child, she's like, I just don't think that it's right. Yeah. And that's not certainly not a popular opinion, but I can see where she has a little bit more of a, you know, skin in the game, let's put it that way, that she's the one that was raised with that feeling of like, look, I just wanted my mom and my dad to okay, love me. Knowing that... And you never got married. You're single. You want a baby. What would you do? I would adopt is what I would do. And I understand that there's issues with that as well. And Because everybody wants a fresh squoze baby. Right. Nobody wants to get a used baby. Right. Right. Except for like, me. And you. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, I... I but I understand, like, I, I'm on the the tail end of my parenting so adopting for me adopting a 15 year old is not a big deal because i mean it still might be a big deal for other people but but i already had that experience of of raising a baby baby. and so i understand that that there's that there's um a loss there and now let's relate this back to capitalism and socialism who said that life was fair Mm -hmm. i mean and who are we going to be fair to like the, the gay marriage, you're going to be fair to the gay parents. We're not going to be fair to Elton John, who stated he and his, his partner, or now husband, I think, came to California and had two children by surrogacy and then took them home to raise them. And they love their children quite a lot, and I'm sure they're great fathers. But he's, Elton John said after the first one, or maybe the second one, they're going to, sorry, they're going to, they might hate me when they get bigger for... Not giving them a mother. I mean, he said that when they were mm-hmm. being born. So, and I, I'm, I guess I'm not sticking my flag. You know, I'm not, I don't have a hill I'm going to die on necessarily. But I do, it was very interesting to watch that one and the other, the exploitation about, she's like, oh, you know, they tell people that it's like, oh, you're being so nice. You're helping someone have a baby. She goes, you're not, they're not having a baby. They're having your baby. Right. And, and every kid wants to know who their parent is at the end of the day. And, and the one woman said, that uh, Markart woman, said, it's not just no. Who she says, I will take it, Elizabeth Markart, said, I would take it one step further. People don't want to just know who they are. They want a relationship with their father. Their fathers have been ripped out of their lives. Because, like, some of them, you know, they were raised with a dad that they didn't know. Like that first woman, her name was Stephanie. She had a dad who she loved, but the other one, um, the young girl, so she had an adopted sister who was Korean, so not biologically related to anybody, and then she was a product of sperm donation, and then her mom and dad got divorced, and then the dad, and then her mom gets remarried to a man who, apparently the issue was with her father, because then her mom and her dad have, her mom and her stepdad have a little brother who's biologically related to both parents. She's like, when my mom's first husband divorced her, he wanted a relationship with the Korean sister because that felt like a, like he was doing something noble. But he wanted no relationship with me because I was related to my mom and not to him. 
And she says, so I've seen a child who was parented by two parents who had no relation, biological relation to them. I was related to my mom and not to my father or any father. And my little brother was related to both parents. And she's like, I don't think that you should just manufacture babies because it's convenient for you. And like the world is well, never going to go that long, way. Long-term studies to see what happens to these kids and where it ends up. Because 20 years from now, there will be a different attitude about it. And what... As more and more kids have been raised that way and have, you know, lived that life and not had a parent. And, and you can't and, put the genie back in the bottle. Yeah, you can't as right. go back. As we so see with what, the great welfare program. What will we see when they start making laws? When they are getting to the age to make, to go through reform? Will they be saying, no, this isn't ethical? I don't this think that right. it will ever be taken away, but I think the anonymity will. For sure. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It doesn't even matter. With forensic genealogy, like, you're screwed. Like, if you've done anything in your life you didn't want to know anyone to know about, or, like, you have a kid that you didn't want to tell people about, that you gave up for adoption, or if you... you serial killed people. Or, (laughs) you know... Or if you donated You're pretty much going to get found out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it'll be... It'll be interesting. I just really hadn't thought about it much. And I don't know how I ended up down that rabbit hole, to be honest with you. I was at work and had nothing to do. It's a good rabbit hole to go down. (laughs) Okay, Nona's going to talk to us about Bohemian Rhapsody. What did you want to say? I wanted to say I freaking love Freddie Mercury. (laughs) 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 That's a good start. (laughs) All I'm saying is I grew up when Queen was like a band, like when I was in high school in the 80s. And yeah. they played Queen at like all the stomps, and they played We Are the Champions, like when we won stomps. the state championship. Do they still do stomps. <laughs> oh, do they do it? You are the one that I know has your know. finger on the pulse of the high school student. So I'm just saying, I heard Queen all the time, but I didn't like, like I liked country music, and I liked the songs that they played. Yeah. But it wasn't like I was going out looking for rock music because I didn't prefer that. But so when I watched Freddie, um, well, Freddie Mercury, when I watched Bohemian Rhapsody, which is really the Freddie Mercury story, <laughs> yeah. um, mm-hmm. I love him. Yeah. And I really like that when I was watching the end, when you'd asked me previously if I cried. Yeah. What I really liked is when I was listening to the music and trying to listen to the words of what, what he was saying and thinking back on his life and when he was writing the music, what was he thinking? like? Because you could see that the songs that he sang and yeah. that he wrote were really very applicable to his life, which is probably yeah. why he wrote them. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. Strange. <laughs> which reminds me of, of Coal Miner's Daughter. Okay, mm-hmm. we watched that. Segway. I showed that to my kids because they're like, we don't want to watch that show. Me, me, me. And they were all transfixed. And then we had to go down the Loretta Lynn rabbit hole. And also the Sissy Spacek that she had like got on tour with her and Patsy Klein. Yeah. But it's just that that telling your story through your music. So yeah, his I had no idea about his story until I saw Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, me either. Well, and my hubby did not he said I just tried to stay away from that. I hate his music. You know, he didn't like his music in high school. He's just Does he feel that way now? Me. 
Um, yes. <laughs> but he, you know, did he like the movie? He said, well, he told me when it was in theater, we're not going to see that. I don't want to go see it. But you know, last week I wanted to see it and I wanted to rent it. I went to buy it and I couldn't find it. I went by myself to Walmart. Oh my goodness. <laughs> on my own two legs. <laughs> That's a big thing. And I couldn't find it. That's a big deal. <laughs> I couldn't find huge. it. So huge. It's huge. Huge. He went the next day and I said, well, I'll just go get it a red box so that I can watch that one and A Star is Born. And he bought them both. And one was 30 and the other one was 25. That's true love. That is true. <laughs> and then he still didn't want to watch it. But then, you know, I made him. And then... He discovered that I have, you know, a new love, <laughs> Freddie Mercury. Ah. He's like, how many times are you going to watch that? <laughs> because I just keep playing the Live Aid conference or concert, or concert, you know. And um, I alternate between the movie version and the real Live Aid, you know. And that is all he hears in bed is Queen. <laughs> so... Have you converted him yet? So we started watching it. Actually, (laughs) I've been telling him how I just am so just amazed at his life. You know, like I saw the pictures of him as a kid. You know, he had those four extra teeth and his mouth, like they called him Bucky in school. And his teeth were like over, like just over his lip. He couldn't even like close his mouth. Close his mouth. I think that picture, he's younger and probably wasn't as where probably hadn't been teased and bullied at that age because he's they're just like on full display sticking out but I think about him what he overcome with you know being born in a foreign country and um you know his look you know with his teeth and overcoming that and then coming back and questioning his sexuality and just he marched the beat of a different drummer you know he just <laughs> certainly you know that yeah. he, he was, was just I amazing don't know what beat that was. <laughs> amazing talent. Well, you can see the beat because he's hopping around on stage oh, yeah. to it, you know? Do you like the jacket in the movie, the white jacket when they're first meeting the guy and he's like, <laughs> he looks like a bat or something? Like, what is that? And he comes in and he's like on fire. He's on point. Yeah. I like but, that. But so hubby has been, when I started talking about how amazing, I think I just am just his music, his talent, yeah. and just how he... His dad didn't want him, you know, he, his dad didn't approve of what he'd done or what he was doing. He changed his name, which is a big issue in our family. Um, you know, when he said, yeah, I changed my name to Freddie Mercury, ditched the family name. Um, I, I just, as I'm telling my hubby all the things that I admire about him, he's like, well, I'm not saying he's not a good guy. (laughs) I'm just saying I didn't like his music. I liked at the end. Yeah, don't be dissing my boyfriend, Freddie Mercury. I liked at the end when he goes to tell his parents that he's going to Live Aid. And he says, and then we all know that he has AIDS and that he's dying. And his family doesn't know. And I he think tells, his dad knew. I think his parents knew. His dad. And his dad. And he says to his dad, like, the, everybody's doing this for free. And then he says, the good thoughts, good words, good deeds. Mm-hmm. Like, that he had learned. I'm like... <laughs> That's what his dad had wanted him to do. Yeah, that's his whole what life. Raised him to do. Yeah, good thoughts, good words, good deeds. Well, and how he finally um, found himself, you know, in the end, you know, after he'd let people 
like, I mean, you can see, although he projected, like he had this extreme self-confidence and like on the stage and stuff, he still like didn't want to be alone and, and wasn't like, didn't love himself because yeah, of his, his life seemed lonely, like with his cats yeah. And although well, maybe he didn't feel that way. Well, he like, had, he looked, was in two abusive, as how they were trying to he was in two it. abusive yeah. relationships. Of course, I have been researching all things <laughs> Freddie Mercury this last week. Um, and I, the six loves of Freddie Mercury, which anyway, two of them were like kind of abusive and, you know, people that get in abusive relationships generally have like low self-esteem that they let someone abuse them. So I think maybe he he kind of maybe all the time just had that in the back. I don't know. Which is so weird to see someone so uber talented and so amazing. Well, he was hiding like his songs, like hiding who he, who he really was, you know, that's kind of a theme is that if he came out, would he be enough? Yeah, you know, well, to his parents, too. he never came out to his parents. Well, no, that's not true. I mean, he like he never told his parents he had AIDS, though. His mom said they found out like when the With rest the of the world. world did the day before he died is when he told people he had AIDS because he didn't want anyone like saying his story. Or, yeah. He wanted to write his own story. So anyway, I think it's hard too, like for somebody. Like, he moved to England when he was 18. He was Indian, you know, as far as uh, nationality. And and then the the tea thing, man, that's... When you're a little kid and people make fun you of You got a grill, man. Something of your appearance right, that you can't get away with. But the fact that he was in England. How much did they <laughs> <laughs> I did think that in the movie. I think an orthodontist in England might starve to death because <laughs> no one uses them. <laughs> I know. What is up with that? I don't um, know. I think England, it's called... Why don't you fix your teeth? Um, well, you know, they have social medicine. Mm. Oh, that's true. Who's going to go be a dentist? when you? <laughs> they, hell, they can't even save the cancer people. They're not worried about teeth, you know? <laughs> That's like way down low on the totem pole. Good point. Good point. While you put yourself together? Well, yes. Yeah, but... I did. Here's the question. Does Freddie Mercury make the list of people you want to meet when you die? Absolutely. Yeah. Me too. Yes. Yeah. Well, and he really, like, we can have a conversation, but we got to start out with a little bit of music. Like, he can <laughs> sing first. Okay, before I ask you any questions... I want to hear, Mama, <laughs> I killed a man. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear me sing. Um, yeah, I really just thought that it was amazing. And and the lyrics. Yeah. I think lyrics would be hard. I don't get any of it. It's like one of those languages that it yeah. doesn't... I can play the piano a little bit, but the thought of like creating that. Creating music. Like when you go to that spot in my brain... And open the door. The closet's yeah, empty. Say, there's some cobwebs. <laughs> yeah, cobwebs, little string Does on the bottom. Does it say vacancies? Yes, <laughs> like in a neon light. Yeah, no. Because I have kids who can compose, like daughter who can compose music, and I'm like, well, where? What song is that? She's like, oh, that's just one I made up. I don't understand that. Yeah, yeah I just look at him and I think you, you have created this and had an amazing life. And people took advantage of him, and he made mistakes. But through all of it, I think what I admired the most about him, he was kind. 
Mm-hmm. He was kind to people, and he stuck by stuck by his friends and loyal. Like with and, the Mary, what was yeah. her last name? Mary something. Austin. Just, he made me sad. I seriously. But yes, I do want to meet him. <laughs> yeah, at the end of that, I was like a walking mess, like just crying. Okay, but it just goes to show that you know. Middle-aged women <laughs> love Freddie Mercury. The they didn't even know it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, well, and even my kids, so we're another generation down, know all those songs. Yeah. And they watch the show and they're like, who is this? Every one of these songs is in every show that they have seen. So it's an intro to one show. Supernatural. What I mean, yeah. think of everything that they've done and they've heard all of these songs. But, you know, you look at the concert and the energy that was how how interactive the audience was with him. Yeah. Like on, just like on every song, it's like rather than just watching, they were an active participant. And so. David Bowie said that he, that Freddie Mercury was an artist that you could be sitting up in the nosebleeds in the tippity top worst seat in the house and feel like that Freddie Mercury was singing right to you and that you were experiencing a relationship with him as he sang his music. Which is probably why I want to meet him when, you know, Mm -hmm. when I die. And David Bowie also said that he has to respect a man who wears ties. (laughs) (laughs) And could pull them off with no shame whatsoever. I did see quite a few of his outfits that were, when watching some old videos, and I thought, hmm. Okie (laughs) dokie. Well, all righty. He needed a little more fabric, but, you know. Other than that, I mean, I'm not, I'm not looking for a partner. I just, you know. <laughs> Nona. Nona. We'll just stop. Right. Now. <laughs>